0: That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about the thing that I always worry about. The thing that keeps me up at night. The thing that uh, became like a catchphrase of the show, if you will. Dead Bigfoot. But first, as always, we have shout-outs. That's right, we have shoutouts going out to Matthew, Alicia, Derek, Becca, Joshua, or Josh, Alexis, Jen, Elizabeth, VoidTech, Steve, Sherry, Artmuff, and Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Damien and Daniel, Jasmine, Ian, Eric, Brandon, Jen, Alexandra, Eek, George, Connie, Seth, Christine, Jason, Hayden, Cindy, Kim, Adam, Ashley, Eerie the Cat, Fran, what's that, Loki, or Ian, Carrie, Ezra, robin will Carrie, jim kelly lauren and phil mangano russell tanya donald chris brandon april seth isabel audra dorian dorian and isaac cindy bob sean bishop cole our monsters paula alicia jerry leo austin lindsey han jennifer megan aaron amy jeff t harley suzanne joe lawrence Lauren McCune, hey, howdy, hi, Lily, Veronica, Nick, Autumn, J-Mark, Carolyn, Martin, Jade, Nanashi, Megan, Heidi, Kira, Pablo, Chuck, Laura Rutho, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Juliana, Dan, uh, Laura, and GamerFan. Wait, what's GamerFan's real name? I don't think I know it. I always do this one. I apologize. I don't know. So it's just going to be GamerFan with a special shout-out, as always, to Joe Teague. All righty, I don't have the uh, paranormal uh, news Jingle, whatever you want to call it, loaded up on here. So I'm just going to, uh, let's do this. And up next, let's talk about Paranormal News. The first story that doesn't really work at all. I've got to get that loaded up. The first story in Paranormal News. FAA notified after large blue UFOs seen ob- above Oahu appeared to drop into the ocean. I got a lot of people going, hey, did you hear about this story? Even like coworkers workers of my day job. Dude, did you hear about this story? Yes. Yes is the answer. Thank you for, always thank you for sending me stories. I will never say no, but yep, this one was a big one. That's right. On December 31st, an unidentified flying object spotted in the evening sky over Leeward, Oahu, prompted witnesses to call 911. Oh, that was uh, released on uh, December 31st. That actually happened the Tuesday prior to that. The sighting happened around 8.30 p.m. There are multiple videos of what appear to be a glowing oblong mass, both in the sky and in the water. Officials from the FAA said that there were no aircraft incidents or accidents in this area at the time. But multiple witnesses reported seeing a large blue object fall out of the sky and into the ocean. In one video, a woman can be heard saying, something's in the sky. What is that? Uh, Tina, Miss Atina? Sure. Miss Atina Sape told Hawaii News Now that she captured the image at 826 near Hale Kalaka Avenue in some part of Oahu that I don't want to even try and pronounce. Not long after, another woman spotted what looked like the same object passing over Princess Kawanu Estates. I looked up and then I was like, oh shit, I realized I started calling my husband and them because... They were all in the garage. I was like, hey, come out here and look at this thing. Look there. See if you see what I see. And of course, they all said, yeah. The, uh, she also said that she's never really been a believer in UFOs, but the bright blue object had them so intrigued, they jumped in the car and actually started following it. I don't know what it was, she said, but it was going fast. The uh, journey l- ended less than three miles from where it began, she says. They stopped the car on Farrington Highway in front of the Board of Water Supply building, after the object appeared to drop into the ocean. So in one of the videos, you can actually hear her say, it went land in the water, whatever it is. It landed in the water, as I'm assuming what she meant to say. Uh, She described it as being larger than a telephone pole, and she says she never heard it make any sound. We called 911 for have like one cop or somebody come out and take a look at it, check it out. You know what's weird? Hold on a second. What's weird is she described it as being larger than a telephone pole. That's the worst description of a ufo i've ever heard you know well well, how big was it oh it was bigger than a telephone pole okay come on anyhow uh while officers were on the scene she says they spotted a second light my husband went look up and he seen the one oh good lord my husband went look up and he seen the one white light coming the white one was smaller was coming in the same direction as the blue one they lost sight of the object after it passed over a nearby mountain and then um, Thursday morning, this uh, news source asked Honolulu police if they investigated, figure out what the hell it was that fell in the water. And a spokesperson told them they don't have any information. An FAA spokesperson said that the agency received a report from police uh, from police Tuesday night about a possible plane down in the area, but had no aircraft disappear off radars and no reports of overdue or missing aircraft. They said, to this day, we don't know what it was. All right, now I'm going to hit play on this thing and see if you can actually hear this woman in the video because it's it's a bizarre video. It's a bright blue light coming down into the sky, into the water, from the sky into the water. I don't know what to make of it. Let's see. Nah, all right, it's not worth it. And she also mentioned the name of that beach after she said it. I still could not tell you what the hell that beach was. But anyhow, so we've got a... Blue Hawaiian UFO. So, obviously, everybody was like, you know, making Elvis Blue Hawaiian jokes about the UFO, and rightfully so. I don't know what the hell it was. It was bizarre looking, it was really weird. It did seem to fall into the ocean, and there did seem to be a second one. But yeah, there's a bunch of videos on YouTube. I'll see if I can find the main video, the one that I'm looking for, and I'll throw it up on the Facebook page as well. But it's definitely worth taking a look. All righty, up next in paranormal news. Space object likely came from an alien world, Harvard professor says. That's right. It's back. Yeah, the, the one that I've talked about so many, many times. A Harvard University professor is making the case that we're probably not alone in the universe. Astronomer A.V. Loeb's new book, Extraterrestrial, examines the 2017 flyby of a space object that he believes was truly out of this world. At first, people thought, well, it must be a rock just like the asteroids or comets that we have seen before in the solar system. But as they got more data on it, it looks very weird. That's right, we're talking about the cigar shaped object dubbed Oomau Mau. So, that's right, Oomau Mau. Even though it was 2017, it came and went. It was really weird when it was here. It's gone. People are still talking about it. Like I said, this guy's a Harvard University professor. He says that uh, it was 10 times as long as it was wide, and it was traveling at speeds of 196,000 miles per hour. It didn't look like a comet, yet it behaved like uh, some, like something that has an extra push. Now, NASA confirmed that it's the first object ever seen in our solar system that is known to have originated elsewhere, but NASA is saying officially its origins are unknown. Now, this guy is saying that the, in his book that the object was probably debris from an advanced alien technology, space junk from many, many light years away. It may have been a type of light sail propelled by sunlight, a technology that humans are currently developing for space exploration. It's possible that there's a lot of space junk out there, or that it's a probe. We don't know because we didn't collect enough data, enough evidence, and I'm just alerting everyone to look for objects like that so that the next time there's one coming by... We'll examine it more carefully. Now, he says it's time for researchers to look for potential messages in a bottle like Umau Mau, instead of just searching for radio signals and others for, uh, from other civilizations. He said his ideas aren't popular in the scientific community right now. Uh, of course, they're not. Talking about potential extraterrestrial intelligence is, quote, out of the mainstream, and it should not be. We should be open-minded and search for evidence rather than assume that everything we see in the sky must be rocks. So there you have it. Umao back in the news or still a news, I guess. Up next in paranormal news, another one that I got sent a bunch of times. And again, not angry about it. This is awesome. This is a next piece in disclosure. I know, I know. I keep talking about disclosure. It still isn't really happening. But again, disclosure is not going to be one thing. It's a bunch of these little things until everybody just goes, oh, yeah, okay. There's aliens. Yep, I get it. So this story is: U.S. intelligence agencies have 180 days to share what they know about UFOs, thanks to the COVID-19 Relief and Spending Bill. Now, this one came out on January uh, 8th, I think. It was also released again today. Basically, that um, that 2.3 trillion dollar coronavirus relief and government funding bill that was uh, went into law in December began the 180 day countdown. U.S. intelligence agencies to tell Congress what they know about UFOs. Yeah, that was slipped in to the coronavirus relief and government funding bill. The Director of National Intelligence and the Secretary of Defense have less than six months now to, pro- to provide the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Service Committees with an unclassified report about unidentified aerial phenomena. Again, this was a stipulation that was tucked into the committee comment section of the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021. Now, the report must contain detailed analyses of UFO data and intelligence collected by the Office of Naval Intelligence. Now, that's that um, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force and also the FBI. So it should also describe in detail an interagency process for ensuring timely data collection and centralized analysis of all unidentified aerial phenomena reporting for the federal government. That's insane. Absolutely insane that this thing has just slipped into a bill and the clock is already ticking. It's already down 30 days. So let's see, a spokesperson, spokesperson for the office of the director of national intelligence confirmed the news. They said, yep, it's real. The clock is started. We're going to get there, guys. Don't worry. It's coming and it's coming quick. Now, do I think that in 150 days, what, what's left on the clock, we're going to get a report that says here is everything the U.S. government knows about UFOs. Hell no. Not even close. But this kind of stuff is pushing us in the right direction. It's pushing us towards disclosure. This kind of stuff is only going to help us get all the info that we could possibly ever get, like more than we've ever gotten before, about UFOs. And I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what happens in, like I say, about 150 days. If they actually go through with it or if they just say, sorry, Everything is just too still still too top secret. We can't release any of it, which, again, is a possibility. If they think there's a threat to national security, they can just say, sorry, we can't release any of it. Okay. up next in paranormal news is one that I'm a little bit excited about and a whole lot of pissed about because I am supposed to be going there. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I already would have gone there. That's right. Ghost adventurer Zach Baggins faced, quote, extremely terrifying poltergeist activity at the Cecil Hotel. That's right. That infamous Los Angeles hotel. There's a two-hour premiere uh, special that's going to premiere on Discovery+. And, um, yeah, he got in there. I was supposed to be the one to get in there. It says, for a decade, Zach Baggins has been trying to investigate the infamous Cecil Hotel. This is the site of multiple suicides, murders, and a satanic worshipping over the years. The hotel has inspired books, films, and even a season of American Horror Story. Now Baggins and his team take on the property for a two-hour ghost adventure special launching on the New Discovery Plus streaming service. I was literally shocked when we finally got permission to do this, he says. They said this is the first and the last time that we will ever allow a paranormal investigation, and they shut the place down to the public which made it more badass. F you. I had it. I was there. They said I could come in and I could investigate and I could do a podcast from a room of my choice at the Cecil Hotel. So I'm very curious to see if now my deal is, you know, to the wind. If Zach Baggins paid for, quote, the exclusivity of doing this. They said, while the team was already drawn to the hotel's dark history, including its connection to serial killer Richard Ramirez, who lived in the hotel during the 80s, they are even more compelled to investigate the mysterious 2013 death of Elisa Lamb, whose body was found in the hotel's rooftops, water tanks. Yep. That's why I want, I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons I really wanted to go. I wanted to do live, well, not live, but on video, the quote, Elevator Game, which is a creepypasta thing about what happened to Elisa Lamb and what it was supposed to do. And, you know, if you do it right, you get sent into an alternate reality. It's really bizarre. But again, now now I don't know if I'm going to have the ability to do it. Anyhow, Zach says, uh, that death has stuck with me throughout the years and that something really drew me to the hotel. I wanted to try to explore the theory that she might have been influenced by something, some kind of dark entity possibly conjured by a serial killer like Richard Ramirez, who is said to have done rituals on the very roof where they discovered her body. Except, no, he didn't. There is no proof that Richard Ramirez ever did rituals on the roof of the Cecil Hotel. First BS of the story. Well, kind of. First. During their two-night investigation, the team retraced Lamb's steps, including the elevator, where disturbing security camera footage captured her exhibiting odd behavior shortly before her disappearance and death. When you're walking through these floors and nobody is there, even with the lights on, you could feel these spirits move through you, around you. They're watching you. There was just something about this building. While the team experienced physical afflictions, including unexplained scratches, it was a moment of paranormal activity that had the biggest impact on Baggins. Investigating alone in one of the hotel rooms where serial killer... Jack Underweger, I don't know who that is, stayed in 1991. Bagan said he witnessed the bathroom water faucet turning on by itself. I didn't know what to do. You had to literally twist a handle for the water to go on. There wasn't a motion-activated faucet. That's one of the most terrifying moments that I ever had. Really? Because I've had that happen to me a couple of times. Yeah, it's weird. And you go, whoa, what the fuck? It's not the most terrifying experience ever. Uh, As for how he faces intense such how he faces intense such fear on a regular basis. Baggins insists it's all about perspective. You have to tell yourself to calm down. In the moment, I'm scared because of what is occurring, but I'm also being confirmed that there is more proof of an afterlife, which is rewarding to me. Let's see. So the two-hour special Ghost Adventures Cecil Hotel is now available on Discovery Plus, the streaming service. So I'll have to watch that and give you an update on uh, what I think about that one. I'm very curious and very interested to see more of the Cecil Hotel. I would have preferred to see it in person, but say lovey. Okay, next up in the kind of paranormal news, Grand Theft Auto online, Loch Ness Monster Easter Egg. That's right. You can now find Nessie in Grand Theft Auto. They call her a monster. She is not a monster, but they said uh, mythical creatures aren't entirely new to Grand Theft Auto. That's right, because you used to be able to see Bigfoot and you used to be able to see a UFO and aliens. But they said now the Loch Ness Monster has joined GTA Online. It comes with all sorts of new content, um, including a Loch Ness Monster Easter egg, which is currently being discovered by players. Although intended to be seen from far away through a scope or a camera, some GTA Online players have even managed to swim up close to Nessie before she disappears. So that's cool. That's about all the story. I'm not going to go deep into detail. They have a photo of it. It looks freaking awesome. It kind of makes me want to play that game again just to get this. I did do the Bigfoot one. I've also seen the uh the UFO one. The Bigfoot one is really hard to do. Um it's, you know, it's an Easter egg. It's supposed to be hard to do, but I'm very excited to see the Loch Ness Monster as well. Not a monster. Okay, up next in paranormal news. My god, do I still have more? Holy crap. Um up next in paranormal news, was that a dropped call from ET? A spooky radio signal showed up after a radio telescope was aimed at the next star over from our sun. Uh, Let's see, it's some sort of technological signal. The question is whether it's Earth technology or technology from somewhere out yonder, said Sophia Sheik, a graduate student at Pennsylvania State University, leading a team studying the signal and trying to decipher its origin. She's part of Breakthrough Listen, a $100 million effort funded by a Russian billionaire to find alien radio waves. The project has now stumbled upon its most intriguing pay dirt yet. Proxima Centauri is an inviting prospect for out yonder. It's the closest known star to the sun, and it's part of a triple star system known as Alpha Centauri. Proxima has at least two planets, one of which is a rocky world, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. The radio signal, here we go. It uh, was detected in spring of 2019 and reported earlier and it's in many ways the stuff of dreams for alien hunters it was a narrow band signal with a frequency of 982.02 megahertz as recorded on the park's observatory in australia nature whether an exploding car a uh, exploding car whether an exploding star or geomagnetic storm tends to broadcast on wide ranges of frequencies but this signal appears to only show up in our data when we're looking in the direction of proxima centauri which is very exciting that's a threshold that's never been passed by any signal that we've seen previously, including the WOW signal. But there's a lot we have to do. So we've seen these types of signals before. It's always turned out to be RFI, radio frequency interference. I've talked about that on previous uh, paranormal news is there was one big signal, or maybe even an episode, there was one big signal that turned out to be the microwave in the uh, observatory itself. So yeah, not uh, an alien signal. But they said that... Um, My instinct in the end is that it will be an anthropogenic in origin, but so far we can't fully yet explain it. Our experiment exists in a sea of interfering signals of natural causes. There's not a lot to see here yet, they say, but it is very intriguing while it's coming from only one location, something that has never happened before, and something that they think is repeating. So something to keep an eye on, basically. All righty. I think it's this, It uh, last up. Yeah. Last up in paranormal news. That's supposed to be. Here we go. That was really weird. The article showed up in Russian, if you will. I have no idea what the hell that language that was, but it's from an American newspaper and an American website. I don't know what the hell that was about. Oh, I see. They want me to pay for it. And if I don't pay for it, the article goes all funny. Well, Screw you. Basically, the article was about Bigfoot crossing. Um, let's see if I can get it again. There was basically an odd Bigfoot encounter in a Colorado summit. Uh, a bunch of people saw Bigfoot. It was a repeating... Um, here we go. Let me read it real quick. It's been reported in Colorado more than 100 times, including the Summit County, Colorado. During the, sp- the summer of 2019, a daytime hiker was taking a break near an old log cabin in the area of Mayflower Gulch near Frisco, When he spotted something odd at about 11,000 feet of elevation, he reported seeing a large bipedal creature climbing a mountain. And now the website did that again. So I guess that's the end of that story. Basically, they saw Bigfoot. It was really weird. If You want to read about it. You're going to have to pay for it. And I'm not going to pay for it. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with the topic at hand. Sadly, dead Bigfoot. We are back. Now, there's a lot of people that say that they won't believe in Bigfoot until there's a body. So let me pause right here at the start of this episode itself to say, I truly, truly hope that's not how we get proof of Bigfoot. And for God's sakes, don't fucking shoot Bigfoot. There, catchphrase out of the way. But I, you know, seriously, though. If the only way we're going to get proof of a Bigfoot is a dead Bigfoot, then I hope we never get proof. I hope it never freaking happens. I don't like that kind of mentality is, well, if we don't have a dead one laying in front of us, it ain't real. Sorry. I've been to the zoo. I've seen a gorilla. I don't need to see a dead gorilla to know that I've seen a gorilla. All right. So why hasn't there been a body recovered yet, though? That's the big question. Well, maybe just maybe there has now it's a big maybe but still it is a maybe there have been tons of hair samples blood samples tissue samples scat samples and in nepal there's even a supposed sasquatch or yeti hand and scalp which for you skeptics yes i know sadly turned out to be just sewn together hide from a goat antelope animal i think it was maybe a bear i think it was a goat antelope though Um, Some animal in that region. And the hand, known as the Pongbok hand, was found to just be a human hand. Sadly, the first one up on this list, dead Bigfoot body parts, both turned out to be fake. Or turned out to be not Bigfoot. But how about real dead Bigfoot bodies? That's what this episode is all about. Has there ever been a Bigfoot body recovered? If so, what happened to it? Was it real? Was it fake? Did it turn out to be a costume? Did it turn out to be a bear, a monkey, a really hairy guy? Whatever it turned out to be, what I'm talking about, the dead Bigfoot body is the smoking gun of the Bigfoot community, the huge missing piece for actual proof. Let's take a look and see if we've ever had a Bigfoot body for real. Now, the first one goes all the way back to October 1886 in Maine, which is already astounding to me that I really thought that the first Bigfoot body we would find would be post the Gimlin Patterson film, you know, the, the post Bigfoot craze. But it turns out, no. This one goes back to October 1886. Now, the newspapers at the time were all talking about the Statue of Liberty being dedicated in New York, So this story didn't even make headline news. But it did get printed in a bunch of New England newspapers, including the Waterville Sentinel, the Wilton Record, and the Industrial Journal of Bangor. Now, the story was about an encounter with a deadly creature in the woods. It was about 10 feet tall and only described as, quote, a wild man with huge arms, seven foot long arms to be exact, and covered in dark fur. So they didn't even have a word for Bigfoot in this newspaper article yet. They just called him the wild man. Now, again, he's covered in fur. He's huge, tall, huge, long arms. And it apparently attacked, an, quote, an, a, it apparently attacked a quote, an affrighted Frenchman from over the line, basically meaning a French Canadian. He arrived into the town of Elm City saying, the Frenchman's story, which is implicitly believed, is that three men were camping out in the woods about 100 miles north of Moose ha- Moosehead Lake. Moosehead Lake. Two of the campers were away from the camp for a week and came back to find the dead body of their companion. Now, the French-Canadian and other campers discovered their friend was dead, so they went out in the woods to find his killer. They said, quote, Be it man or beast. They went for help and reinforced by a dozen others Search the woods for the unknown murderer. It proved to be a terrible wild man, 10 feet tall, with arms 7 feet in length, covered in long brown hair. The party fired several shots at him and finally succeeded in reaching a fatal spot, laying the monster low. That's right. They fucking shot Bigfoot. They had to fire several shots at him, and then they had finally reached the fatal spot, laying the monster low. Oh, that's brutal. Alright, now like I said earlier, this story was picked up by the Wilton Record and ran on October 6th, 1886, not on the front page, under Items of Interest. Now two days later, the same article appeared in the Industrial Journal, which was a weekly newspaper based in Bangor, that was, quote, "...devoted to the manufacturing, commercial, agricultural, railway, and steamship, hotel, and summer resort and fish and game interest of the Northeast." That is a long byline about this newspaper. All righty. So the Friday, October 8th, 1886 headline was, quote, A New Kind of Game. Now, the story then ran in the St. Albans Daily Messenger of Vermont under odd gleanings in its October 12th, 1886 edition with the headline, The Wild Man is Coming to the Front This Fall. See, that just sounds like a catchphrase for like a like a TV show in the 70s. NBC, the wild man is coming to the front this fall, starring Lee Majors. So, you know, like what I like about these and I've said it numerous times on past episodes, I apologize and probably say it every time. What I like about these is that there's actual newspaper articles from the time I don't have to sift through website after website of BS and regurgitated BS. No, I can go right to the source, right when it happened, and I absolutely love these kinds of episodes. Quote, A main newspaper of repute says that one 10 feet high was recently killed 100 miles north of Moosehead Lake. He had previously killed one of three hunters, and the other two got reinforcements and slew the giant. Now, all around the time that people were reporting the wild man all over the area, there were sightings everywhere. So were there sightings everywhere because they were encroaching in on the Bigfoot's um, wilderness? Probably, like always. But according to the articles, they killed and brought the body back. So a lot of people think, and I'm kind of with them, that the fact that they brought the body back they brought a bunch of other Bigfoot down to try and retrieve the body. Basically, they brought them to them because, again, all around this time, people were reporting the wild man. They also called it the Indian devil and the local Native Americans called it Pomula, which that was the first time i had heard Pamula for uh, Sasquatch. So I like that as well. I like that because now I can search newspaper articles for the word pomula, hoping to find other historic newspaper articles about Bigfoot. Now, Pamula reportedly lived around Mount, Mount, um, Katadin? Katadin? I know I've mispronounced that. I apologize. But now comes the what the F part of this story. The 1886 article. None of them say, what happened to the body of the wild man? It only says news of his existence was spreading like wildfire, like wildfire in Waterville. So, they did fucking shoot Bigfoot, the body was on display in town, yet no provable photos exist? Now look, you can Google 1886 body, Bigfoot body, and there are photos online, but I can't track them back to any reputable site or news article, and frankly, they just don't look legit. In fact, a couple of the ones from this story, the photos, if you search for, for this story, are actually the photo from the next story I'm about to tell you. So there's a lot of BS out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. But again, what the hell happened to the body, to the photos? Why didn't they get any photos if there weren't if there were any taken? It's 1886. There were cameras. So I would have to guess the part about the body being shown to town folk maybe, possibly, wasn't real. Because like I said, press did have cameras. And even with the Statue of Liberty dedication there had to be some reporter that would come down to take a photo of it because it would just be a big news story. Or, if not some news reporter, some P.T. Barnum-type sideshow guy coming and buying the body. Buying the body to charge people to see the, quote, Harry Wildman. Hell, the, the Cardiff Giant was less than 20 years before this, and it drew crowds for years. If you don't know what that is, listen to previous episodes. But... It's the same kind of thing. It was a traveling uh, sideshow kind of a thing. It was a known hoax, but people still went and saw it and bought merch. A real wild man body would have drawn crowds for decades. Now, again, this is all just my opinion, and sadly we won't ever know what happened to the body. Yeah, I'll keep searching for articles from around that time. Like I said, I'm looking for more Uh, that mentioned Pomula, but from what I could find from doing this episode, for doing this episode, for preparing for this episode, however you want to say it, this is all I can find. I can't find out anything about what happened to the body and why it was never photographed. Hi, Stitch. Hold on a second. Okay, let's continue on with this next story from Canada in 1894. Now, like I kind of hinted in that last story, there is a photo for this one. It gets miscontributed to the other story, but it is about this next story. Canada, 1894, trappers and some mountain men in Western Canada stumbled upon a Sasquatch in the woods and shot it because, of course, that's what you do when you stumble upon an unknown creature in the woods. Hey, I've never seen that thing before. Let's shoot it. I hate that mentality. Alrighty. so the story goes they dragged the body back to a cabin and they took a photo of it. Now, the photo is still online today. It shows a dead Bigfoot lying face down in the snow. Its hands are by its sides with some rope or something around the wrists. Now, you can't see the feet because the way the photo, uh, the, the Bigfoot was photographed. Besides trees and some hell of a lot of snow, the only other thing in the photo is a pair of sh- of snowshoes. So, let me look at the photo. It's lying face down, face to the left, definitely got some big arms. Could it be like a deformed bear? Maybe, but the face doesn't look bear-like at all. Now, again, I'll post this photo on the Facebook page and the Instagram, if I remember, but definitely the Facebook page. There's not a lot to it, but again, it's a photo from 1896. There shouldn't be a lot to it. So let me uh, let me go back. So uh, The photo itself had some writing on the back of it, the original, that is. And the writing says, year 1894, Yalakam River, around Liliat, British Columbia, Forestry, Hudson Bay Company. They took the picture, and the guy that was in the picture went and stole them back from the Forestry Records, Hudson Bay Company. I believe his last name was Holiday. Don't know his first name. Never took all pictures, only one. And took pictures of the rest. Glass plate photography. That's what's handwritten on the back of the photo. So there's a lot of information here. That text gives us a date. A place. And the fact that there were many more pictures of it. In the forestry records. And apparently it, it also proves. Yeah they had a body. If this thing is legit. And you know again. I can't find anything that debunks it. There should be. Some Canadian record out there with more photos, more context. But why haven't those photos come to light since? You got to remember, 18, what, 94, 96, whatever it was, getting a photographer and his equipment to the location should have been a big deal. There should be records of that. So who was the photographer? No idea. But internet sleuths have figured out where the photo was probably taken. Again, it was a place called Rupert's Land, Why they think that is Rupert's Land and the Hudson Bay Company had their headquarters at the York Factory. Now, we know, because the back of the photo, it was in Liliat, British Columbia. So, they figured out where Hudson Bay had a place, uh, a camp, if you will, along the Yalakam River. Again, it's mentioned on the back of the photo. The thing about this is, it was very rugged wilderness, but it was also a spot in the river, that is, was a spot where salmon were plentiful and hunters went for a quick meal. So it is a perfect remote location for a Sasquatch. Hell, Hudson Bay worked with furriers and did taxidermy at that time. It only seems logical to me that some or all of the Bigfoot was preserved then. That leads me again to say, so where the hell is it? Why the tinfoil hat theory of a cover-up of a Bigfoot? Why the Canadian government, or whomever, said, nope, no one could know about this Bigfoot that was killed in 1894? I just don't get it. I don't get why they wouldn't reveal Bigfoot exists and make it a federal crime to kill one. That would be, to me, that would be the most logical, best way to protect Bigfoot. But I guess not. I mean, Bigfoot are protecting themselves. And if the forestry, and this has brought, been brought up before in other episodes, if the governments know about Bigfoot and they tell people like, nope, you can't, no, give me the photos or don't shoot, a, you know, shooting a Bigfoot is a crime. There's been stories of hunters being talked to by the government after they shot at a Bigfoot. Again, this is all tinfoil hat theory time, conspiracy theory time, but why are they just covering it up? Why don't they just come out and say it? You know, sooner or later, sadly, a Bigfoot is going to be killed and some yokel is going to have it and want to sell it to make a hell of a lot of money and Discovery Channel or somebody, Zach Bagans, somebody, is going to buy it. It's going to get out. The information is going to get out. Now like I said I'll post a picture uh, of the uh, the post this picture of the bigfoot on the Facebook page but I got to say if it's fake then it's the best the best faked bigfoot photo bigfoot body whatever you want to call it that I've ever seen and remember this one was done in the wilderness of Canada in 1894 nobody has done a better dead bigfoot photo since 1894 This isn't a challenge for you guys to try and do better dead Bigfoot photos. I only want real photos of live Bigfoot that prove that Bigfoot exists. No killing Bigfoot. Remember that. That's the big takeaway from this episode. Please don't go, I listened to Paranormal Almanac, and Kurt said he wanted a really good photo of a dead Bigfoot, so I killed one. No, no. No, no, no. No, I don't. Don't do that. All righty. So, tube-dead Bigfoot... Even a photo of one. So now let's move over to the next one on this list. This one is a dead and mummified Yeti. Now this story is really hard to locate any real details about it. There is a lot of BS on there. A lot of regurgitated BS from site to site. But everything I found from the core of this story, the kernel of the story, is it really happened a French mountaineer in the 70s or 80s, depending on where you get your info, was in northern India legion uh, region of Ladakh. Now, while there, he befriended some locals and they told him stories of the Yeti. He was fascinated by these stories and even more so when they said they could take him to the body, a mummified body, of the Yeti itself. Now, he was allowed to take one single hair from the mummy. Again, depending where you get your info, he stole it, he smuggled it. Some say they just went, yeah, you can take a hair, I don't care, there's a bunch laying on the ground, take one. But he managed to take one single hair from the mummified body of a Yeti. Now that hair was taken to um, taken for DNA analysis and this hair and another hair from a Yeti in Bhutan were both sampled by the same organization and the two samples matched the genetic signature of a polar bear jawbone that was found in the Norwegian Arctic and is thought to be at least 40,000 years old. So, is the Yeti some form of prehistoric bear? Well, if you've heard previous episodes, that is the leading theory about the Yeti. But again, that's fine. That's all well and good. But I want to know, what the hell happened to the mummified Yeti? If this guy recently, 70s or 80s, you know, within our lifetimes, recent history, was able to just go, Oh, yeah, you got a mummified Yeti? Well, I like Yeti. I want to see it. And then the townspeople are like, Yeah, sure. Come see it. Where is it? I want to see it. Hey, townspeople. Hey, listeners. If I have any listeners in the northern Indian region of Ladakh, I'm sure I mispronounced that and I apologize. I'm very interested in Yeti. Please send me a hand from a mummified Yeti. I'll get you an address. If you can do that, I'll get you an address. Or better yet, fly me out there and I'll take a look at the mummified Yeti myself because that sounds cool as shit to me. And again, how come this isn't the biggest tourist attraction in Northern Indian Mountains? You know how many people would travel around the world to see a mummified Yeti? Again, it's like that P.T. Barnum's thing. But nowadays, people are still suckers. They'll still go. And if it's real, even more so. Are you kidding me? I want to see it. (sighs) Again, it's just so frustrating to know that bodies are out there somewhere that people have seen but aren't there for display, aren't there for scientific proof. Hell, if we still had that body from 1894... They could do all the research they wanted on that body. Boom. Proof that yetis are proof that Sasquatches exist. It's already dead. It's long dead. Sad that it was shot for just walking through the woods, but all right. 1894 dead Sasquatch sucks, but yes, let's use that body for science and science to go. Oh shit. Yep. Bigfoot exists. Bam. Done. No need to kill another one. All right. So with that, with every article or story of a real Bigfoot body, there are, no joke, a minimum of 10 fake ones out there. And I'm, I'm probably lowballing it, to be honest with you. So for the skeptics, let's talk about the people that ruin it for the entire Sasquatch community. Now, the first one, I'm pretty sure you'll remember. It was a dead, dead Bigfoot. It was frozen in a block of ice in a freezer from 2008. Remember, this is bullshit. Matthew Witten and Rick Dyer, a pair of Bigfoot hunters, hoaxers, from North, uh, North Georgia said they found the creature's body in a wooded area and spotted several other Bigfoot around it. Now, they managed to scare off the live Bigfoot and they carried off the body. The frozen, fake, Bigfoot was seven feet, seven inches tall, and weighed more than 500 pounds. The two even said they had DNA testing, DNA evidence along with the body. And they were like, hey, look, we're going to do a big press release about this thing. You guys can all come and see the body. Give me a lot of money. And yeah, you can do whatever you want to the body, but we've already had DNA evidence done on it. It's real. It's an unknown species, never been seen before. It's from an accredited place, blah, blah, blah. So, the only person we would allow to come down and verify the body was real Bigfoot hunter Tom Biscardi. This is part of their BS press release. DNA tests on the body have begun and, quote, extensive scientific studies will be done on the body by scientists, including a molecular biologist, an anthropologist, and a paleontologist. I don't get what their grand plan was. I mean, obviously their grand plan was to get a shit ton of money real quick and do a TV show about it, but that's a very short sighted end game because basically what happened was that these people that went down to look at it for this TV show said, oh, hey, look, there's a little piece of fur that's from the the thawing of the ice that's already thawed. Huh? Well, that fur feels really fake like crappy Bigfoot costume fake. I'm going to try and melt it. Sure enough, it didn't burn like real hair or fur would do. It melted because it was plastic. So they went, well, that's odd. Let's expedite the thawing on a couple of thin areas, like by the foot. So they did that. And sure enough, the the toe of the foot or the side of the foot became thawed. And they went, Oh, yeah, that's a rubber foot. This is a really bad, cheap Bigfoot costume. Then they looked online and saw that a bunch of Internet sleuths had gone, Hey, that frozen Bigfoot, the photo, the one photo, the only photo that got out about the press release. Well, it matches this Bigfoot costume that you can buy online. It's a cheap Bigfoot costume, and it did. It matched it exactly They didn't even get to the special before this thing was debunked. So, good one, I guess. You you got us? All right, the next one. There's this guy. His name is Peter Kane. Now, he says his father and a friend shot a Bigfoot and chopped up the body back in 1953. He said that the body has been on ice since. All righty, I'm going to play just a little bit from his YouTube video showing off the obviously poorly faked Bigfoot's head. A video, mind you, that has gotten over 2 million views. So I hope you can hear it, because I really want you to hear this one.
1: You can tell the immense size of the creature by comparing it to to my head. My father shot the Bigfoot in 1953. They had to cut it up to get it out of the swamp. I have all the body parts. When my father passed away, that was given to me. It's been very expensive for my father, my family to keep the Bigfoot, you know, frozen for that many years. You know, it it was always in a commercial freezer. It's always wrapped up, you know, with several layers to keep it. You know, it it looks in pretty good shape considering that it's been frozen for 65 years. Now, let me take the camera in so that you guys can look closer at the Bigfoot. It's by the way, I've, I've had, a, I've taken a lot of shit on my YouTube channel. People saying that I'm always making jokes. This is not real. This is real. Not everything in my life is a joke. This, this Bigfoot head, the Bigfoot, the Bigfoot, I've showed the Bigfoot's feet, its arms. It's penis, I've shown a lot
0: of the Bigfoot, that's real. Yeah, yeah, alright, That that's where I want to kind of stop it. Yeah, so, yeah, he does, he has a bunch of videos, uh, videos that include showing off the Bigfoot head, the neck that's been chopped up, and look how real the, the veins and stuff are, the arms, the feet, and a Bigfoot penis, yeah. Now again, 2 million views, so this guy's making money off of it. And um yeah, there's tons and tons of people saying, like, holy crap, this is amazing. This is real, it's obvious. I finally have proof. So glad I found this video. It's comforting to know I'm not the only one with the Bigfoot head in the freezer. Ha ha ha. This guy's amazing. Then obviously there's like, are you kidding me? That thing's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's obviously fake. Uh People have even figured out what he used to make the tubes and the guts and the, you know, the, all the neck muscles and stuff. I mean, they've really done their research. The internet sleuths have done their research to debunk an obviously poorly faked Bigfoot video. Um, Again, I'll throw that that up onto uh, the Facebook page because he's already got 2 million views. A few more from you guys won't hurt watching it. So feel free to take a look at it. Tell me what you think but it's obviously fake. Alrighty, up next though, (laughs) there's another fake dead Bigfoot by Rick Dyer. What's that? That name sounds familiar. There's no way the guy from the first fake frozen Bigfoot in a freezer story would try it again, right? That would just be so dumb. Who would believe him or give him any news time? So surely it's gotta be a different guy named Rick Dyer, right? No, no. Yeah, that same Rick Dyer came back again and think in 2012 and said he killed this totally real and not fake Bigfoot and named him Hank. Actually, I think it came out in 2014. He said he killed it in 2012. Um, So people went, whoa, this one's real this time? And he went, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this one's real this time. Yeah, no, no, sure, sure, you can believe me. And people believed him for a little bit now he said he lured hank out using pork ribs from walmart slathered in his special barbecue sauce that he made himself and then he attached them to the trees he said we nail them all around the trees and then that night we heard bigfoot come back they chased him down in the middle of the night i shot him once he ran i shot him again stupid terribly dumb story um they filmed it for a film called shooting bigfoot and um, during the media tour of that film, there was a homeless guy who appears in the movie that came out and said, You know what? The whole attack by Bigfoot that I was in, yeah, it was all fake. It was all staged for the film. The whole thing is fake. It's a fake dead Bigfoot body. It's all done. Now, when Rick got pressed by some of the people that actually made the Big, Bigfoot body for Rick, he admitted, Yep, this one's fake too. Yeah, sorry. My bad, this one's fake too. So, how much money did he make showing off the body on that tour? $60,000. $60,000 this guy made twice now with two fake Bigfoot. Yeah, F this guy. Now, after Rick Dyer said, okay, all right, all right, yeah, you got me. This body's fake too, but... I actually did shoot and kill a Bigfoot in San Antonio in 2012, but I don't want to take out the real body on tour because it would get stolen. So, yeah, no, I did do it, but this is just another fake body. All right, heads up. Heads up to everybody listening. If you take anything else away from this episode, if this guy does it again, let me say on record, nope, that Bigfoot body is fake too. Put that... In big, bold letters, Paranormal Almanac. Nope, that Bigfoot body is fake, too. I don't even need to see it. I'm guaranteeing that I'm correct. Alrighty, moving on. There was the time that a guy tried to hoax the world dressed as Bigfoot. And, well, the title of this episode is Dead Bigfoot. So guess what happened to him? If you said he died, yup, here's the article. Man apparently attempting Bigfoot hoax killed on Montana Highway. This one happened in 2012. A man wearing a bushy military-style camouflage suit in an apparent attempt to impersonate the mythical creature, well, he's not mythical, Bigfoot has died after being struck on a Montana Highway by two cars, police said. Randy Lee Tenley was dressed in a ghillie suit, an outfit favored by military snipers and game hunters, and standing in the middle of the southbound lane on U.S. Highway 93 near Kalispell on Sunday when he was struck twice in quick succession. From what I understand, at least one of his friends said that he was trying to induce a Sasquatch sighting by using the suit along the highway. Now, this is a first for me for 20 years on Highway Patrol. It's just Strange. Tenley was first hit by a car driven by a 15-year-old girl. They're allowed to drive in Montana with learning permit. And a second car car driven by a 17-year-old girl moments later. I apologize. I know I shouldn't be laughing. This guy died, and it's really sad and tragic. But also, come on, man. This guy tries to be a Sasquatch, stands in the middle of the road, and then he's hit by two girls driving their cars, like two girls that just got their licenses. They're probably still to this day traumatized by it. Now, police said they don't know which impact killed him. Um, yeah. Friends of his told the Montana Highway Patrol that the man had attempted a similar hoax before, but never along the highway. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't know. I, I don't want to make light of a man's death, but... Come on, man. You stand in the road in a ghillie suit trying to be a Bigfoot and you get hit by two cars? That's on you, man. I'm sorry, but that's on you. All righty, let's keep on keeping on because we're almost out of time. Then there's the time a president actively hunted Bigfoot. I think I might have talked about this on a previous episode, but I couldn't find it, so I wanted to make sure I talked about it here. Theodore Roosevelt wrote in an 1893 memoir called The Wilderness Hunter, He basically told stories of hunting in Montana and Wyoming in it, but he told a story in the memoir. It was told by a grizzled, weather-beaten, old mountain hunter named Bauman, who was born and passed and has passed all of his life on the frontier. Now, basically, he must have believed what he said, and uh, he said he could hardly repress a shudder at certain points of the tale. Bauman, when he was still a young man and a friend, set out to trap beaver in a rugged rugged river valley in what was then the uh, basically the Montana Territory. They went up a mountain's pass, where a year before a lone trapper had been killed by an unidentified beast. The half-eaten remains being afterwards found by some mining prospectors who had passed this camp only the night before. They left their horses at the foot of the pass and climbed up a small glade where they pitched camp. With some hours of daylight remaining, they went out to set their beaver traps in the stream and returned to camp just as the sun dipped behind the screen of pines. With the shock, they found their lean-to flattened and contents of their pack scattered among bear-like footprints in the earth. So it's probably a bear, right? Well, get this. Bauman's companion made a torch from campfire and peered at the tracks. He said, this isn't a bear. I don't know what it is, but this quote-unquote bear has been walking on two legs. Now, Bauman laughed the, laughed off this idea. The two trappers soon went to sleep in their, you know, lean-tos again. But Bauman was awakened in the night by a horrible stench and the fleeting shadow of, quote, a great body in the entrance of their shelter. So, skunk scent. That's a very big Bigfoot indicator. Huge, tall body, On two feet, he says he shot his rifle and the beast retreated into the forest. Now, the following day, after long hours at the stream checking their traps, the two hunters returned to camp and found their lean-to destroyed again. The same footprints all around the camp, but they went off towards a brook where they appeared as if on snow. Now, Bauman had to admit, whatever the creature it was, it did walk on two legs only and had huge footprints. So again, they try to sleep that night, but there's a bunch of twig snapping in the area around them. Something was out there in the woods. They heard screams. They heard howls. And, uh, the trappers said that they knew that it was right there because they could hear it howling and they could hear the howl echo through the woods. So Bauman and his friend decide the next morning would be their last. They were like, that's it. Screw the beavers. We're out of here. So they gather their, their empty traps from the stream. They, uh, the, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, yet the sun shone brightly in a clearing as they packed their bags and the fears the previous night began to seem silly. Bauman volunteered to retrieve the last three traps from a nearby river, which ended up taking a few hours. So he returns to the camp and it says he returned to a scene of horror. The still warm body of his friend was leaning against a tree with four awful fang marks piercing his broken neck. The same telltale footprints surrounded the unfortunate victim. The beast had not devoured the flesh, but merely romped and gambled through it, romped and gambled round it in uncouth, ferocious glee. The hunter had become the hunted. That's what it said in the book. All right. Again, you kind of go off the checklist. Skunk smell, howls and screams in the woods breaking branches and and twigs and stuff just in the distance and you know like just in the darkness while they got these guys are around the campfire walked only on two legs huge huge um footprints covered in fur walked on two legs like a man they saw him and they, they could actually see him so it doesn't really sound like a bear But was it really a Bigfoot that killed this guy? Because that attack sounds like a bear attack to me. I don't think bears eat their... I don't know if a bear kills a guy. Does he eat him as well? I really don't know. But I've never heard of a Bigfoot biting someone to death. You know, breaking their neck and biting someone and trampling them and all that crap. So I don't know what to think about that one. But it does really have a lot of the same indicators of Bigfoot. So... Like I said, it's not a typical bear attack. Also, Roosevelt was hunting all through that area. He knew about bears. A bear story would have been like, oh, yeah, big deal. I know about bears. Hell, Teddy Roosevelt. That's where the word, that's where the name Teddy Bear came from. Like, he knew about bears. This story was so, like, such a thrilling tale that shocking tale for him that he wrote about it in his memoirs. He didn't do it to fill space. He was genuinely intrigued by this story. So again, it doesn't sound to me like a typical bear attack just for that reason alone. All right, last but not least, no dead ones in this story, but even Putin has seen a Yeti. That's right. This came up in a side story um, when I was researching this episode and I was like, well, screw it. I got to throw this in there real quick. It's a very short story. Uh, Putin said in April 2016 that he actually saw a family of Yetis while on a helicopter trip over the remote Siberian mountains. The Kremlin press service announced that they would be releasing photos of the sighting, but then never did. That's it. That's the whole story. Putin saw a whole family of Yeti. So, there you have it. Not a ton of Bigfoot bodies but still, a few throughout history. Now, again, while doing this episode, I really kind of tried to focus on just Bigfoot, and then I went to Yeti for a couple of them, but but just Bigfoot. So I didn't do the Orang Pendek stories, which I've talked about before, where one was hit by a car, and they had a body for a short time. He was still alive, but they had him in captivity for a short time, and then it got away. So around the world, Bigfoot are being captured or held. I just did that really really messed up story about those guys that, um, that kept a Bigfoot captive and actually a bunch of them had sex with it. And the Bigfoot had children, half human, half Bigfoot children. There's a lot of very bizarre Bigfoot stories still out there, but dead Bigfoot bodies are hard to come by. And I don't know why again, I get it. Like it's that same thing. Like, you know, You never find a mountain lion's body in the woods. Why? Because as soon as it dies, or they usually go off somewhere far of the way to die, but as soon as it dies, other creatures in the woods start going after that body. They start dismantling it pretty damn quick. There's a shit ton of dead deer out there, but you don't see a shit ton of dead deer in the woods because scavengers come and they take it away. Now that's on top of the fact that a lot of people say that Bigfoot bury their dead. So you might you might have walked over a Bigfoot grave and never knew it. If you go hiking, that is. If you you know just live in New York City, then chances are pretty slim you walked over a, a Bigfoot grave. But still, chances aren't zero. Chances are small, but they're never zero. So there you go. What do you guys think? Do you think that we've ever captured a dead Bigfoot? Do you think that? a dead Bigfoot body is out there and that we just don't know about it? Do you think the government is doing some kind of weird tinfoil hat conspiracy to hide Bigfoot and the existence of Bigfoot? And if so, why? Do you think I'll ever get any of the answers to these questions that I ask at the end of every episode? Probably not. This is a podcast. It's kind of a one-way thing. You guys could be answering them out loud right now, while you're listening to this, and I'll never know. I can't hear you. I don't know if you guys knew that. I can't hear you guys. This isn't a phone call. This is all recorded. I'm probably asleep when you're listening to this. So, uh, yeah, there you have it. Dead Bigfoot throughout history. It's a sad, sad tale. Thankfully, not a ton of them. Thankfully, it's not like, you know, every store you ever go in in India has a dead Bigfoot hanging on the wall that you can... Oh, yeah, you can take that down and have it if you want. You buy it if you want. Thankfully, there's not a bunch of dead Bigfoot around because that's not how I like my Bigfoot. I like my Bigfoot like I like my men. Mysterious, possibly don't exist, um, you know, cryptozoological, maybe fake. Yeah, that's, how, that's about it. All righty, once again. I am your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. City Passage Bureau. What if I don't forget that, 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 that.